What's up, everyone? My name is Jess Grace Garcia. I'm a worship pastor, music producer, filmmaker, and I went to a small private Christian school right after being homeschooled for two years, and um, all I was fed was creationist theology. (laughs) (laughs) No evolution. Definitely, like, evolution was like magic, but that's me. What about you, Jack? Hi, I'm Jack Bates, drag queen, theologian, comedian, and just stole my thunder. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a time and em- embarrassing, well, I was going to say embarrassingly, but like, I don't get embarrassed anymore after the operation, you know, mm. lobotomy. <laughs> like, I would have defended to the death the idea that the earth was like 6,000 years old. Yeah. And that's bonkers to me now. Yep. I totally agree. Me and my co-pastor, Darren, were working on the sermons for this uh, coming couple of weeks, and he covers Genesis and talks about Adam and Eve and the story. It's going to be really exciting. I'm excited about it. But I learned something just in that 20-minute sermon, and um, I was just sitting there going, oh, my God, you have so much to still grow in, in just the Mm. way that I think about things because it's so hard when you've literally spent 20 plus years like two decades of your life having such a hardcore staunch theology and then having that all kind of just crumble and to think that I could have listened to that 20 minute sermon that Darren gave a while ago and been like wait a second I have no idea how to defend this now Mm -hmm. it's kind of crazy it's kind of mind-blowing to me and mind-boggling to have someone who has the knowledge and has the education and the theology. Um, You've done this to me many times where you just like throw something at me. So like matter of factly, and I'm just like, Oh, what? Oh crap. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But it feels good. It feels good to actually have like something that makes actual um, cultural, biblical, solid theological sense Mm -hmm. um, for once. As opposed to, well, my pastor said it, so it must be true. Yeah, yeah, right. You know? Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of our listeners can relate to that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So I think we've clued into what we're going to be talking about this week, even just a little. (laughs) (laughs) Our savvy listeners will have a guess. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're like, uh, they always have a theme. (laughs) Also, you probably read the title for the episode. So really like our literate listeners... (laughs) We'll have a guess. So basically everybody except the tops in our audience. <laughs> oh, I love how we insulted ourselves. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like the people who listen to us are probably even smarter than us. Like there are so many ways that our audience just has their shit together. I know it. And and I love that. I love that we have just brilliant and beautiful. That's why I always say beautiful babes, right? Like <laughs> we've got brilliant and beautiful babes that listen to our podcast and we're just so lucky. Also, it makes me really terrified most of the time to not fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Must educate myself quickly. (laughs) So Jess, I've been dying to know more about your visit with your girlfriend. Oh man. Spill. (laughs) (laughs) Spill as much as I can. Um, Yeah, it was amazing. I wish that I could 
honestly, I could go on and on about how amazing it was, the connection. One of the things that was really exciting for me was, you know, meeting and like, honestly, for the first time in person and having that that connection stay true. Um, and then realizing that it just felt like we've always been doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love that in Mm -hmm. any sort of connection. Um, and then our time with Erica, um, was sweet and we have the cutest little snuggly photos that I will show you later. Um, Mm -hmm. and we're just, um, really happy and there's a lot of support and love and it feels good to be on the same page. And, um, I'm excited to have her in our lives. Um, and, um, excited to see how that relationship is going to continue to grow between the three of us. Um, very, very in love. Um, super, (laughs) super, uh, just taken with her. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and it feels good, you know, because honestly she has a similar background to all of us. Um, my wife is, a uh, pagan and a witch and didn't really grow up the way that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, my girlfriend did. And so it's, um, kind of cool to have that connection point, yeah. um, and to feel seen and understood in that way. Um, and also she just loves my wife so well. Mm-hmm. And there's something really beautiful about that. And I'm sure as we get more used to whatever this is, um, we'll share more. Um, but for mm-hmm. right now, it's one of those things where when you're a part of something that isn't exactly societally accepted, um, you hold it a little closer to your chest to like keep it safe. Uh-huh. But I've wanted to be open consistently on our podcast about being poly um, and as much as I can about um, my expression of that um, while also um, keeping it safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... It might be a little while until I share her name um, and more specifics about that. But I really uh, want people to feel like um, seen and understood um, if you are outside of the norm, which I'm sure so many of our listeners are. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I'm just really I feel really blessed um, by all of it right now. I mean, it's it's hard, stressful. There's lots of things that are up in the air. Cause she currently lives in Alabama. So that's going to be fun (laughs) (laughs) figuring out how all that works. But, um, but we'll see. Uh, I have good feelings about it all. Mm, Good. Thank you for asking. Of course. I appreciate that. So we're talking about creation, huh? Yeah. We already started to get into the topic. Like so many of us were taught creationism and we're taught that, Evolution was like, evolution, you mean devolution. Mm. Like it was meant to draw people away from Christianity. And I think that there's something interesting, a sort of analogous relationship between like creationism that says like everything was created as it was and it stayed the same, like completely static. You've got all these different boxes and you put your ant, one kind of animal in this box, the one kind of animal in this box mm. and everything just stays the same and boundaries are very clearly delineated and nothing's ever a gray area and nothing ever becomes anything else or changes appreciably. And then evolution like really 
threatens that worldview. Mm. And I think their reaction to it shows how threatened they feel by it because evolution. Uh, so the grand kind of unified theory of evolution says that things can become other things mm. over time and things can be in between categories and that our categories are like artificial <laughs> and that the continuity is in some ways more profound than the discontinuity. And am I saying that evolution is gay? Yes. Right. That's literally what I'm sitting here thinking. Am I saying that dinosaurs are trans? Also, yes. Mm. <laughs> oh my God. My wife is going to love that. I've, I think alluded a couple times to her obsession with dinosaurs, specifically Jurassic Park, and the fact that they are all badass um, AFABs. And I have to say AFABs because the reason why they're able to continue to procreate is because <laughs> they evolve for their situation and transition and then continue to have have babies and grow if anyone else has any love of jurassic park i know we have a couple of friends that are in love with with that that show but um my wife is a huge i can't i'm saying huge there needs to be another word like a huge fan <laughs> so when i go home and say what you just said erica's gonna flip <laughs> <laughs> i mean i love jurassic park too and dinosaurs all of them Every last one, queer icon. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) So what you just said about the reason for why creationism is so important to evangelicals and conservatives kind of has me a little, like, stung with, with, like, mind-blowingness. Like, I'm sitting here just, like, going fuck like i hadn't quite dug into that depth of um why there is such an issue but mm-hmm. hearing way that you describe evolution is such a bigger compliment to who god is mm-hmm. and consistently over and over and over and over again we come back to this we come back to the fact that the way that conservatives have designed um their theology is in such a way that is entirely insulting to the bigness of who God is. Mm -hmm. And the creationism that I was exposed to growing up had such an impoverished view of God's relationship to creation. Mm. Like they would talk about people being made in the image of God and they would kind of mean the like uh, cis men Uh were a little bit more in the image of God than everybody else. Like animal farm, like all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. <laughs> and that women were made in the image of man is the way that they made it feel. Yeah. Yeah. And that feels like the extent to which God has put themselves in creation for them. Like we're these little divine sparks walking around, but everything else like is just garbage and we can treat it like garbage and a lot of people do treat it like garbage. Like mm. I literally heard in my church growing up that we can trash the earth because Jesus is going to come back and like give us a new earth anyway. 
gross isn't it it's disgusting because it's like they also talk about like your body is a temple and like Mm -hmm. i remember like freaking jesus yoga instructors but they wouldn't call it yoga because that was too new agey (laughs) basically talking about like how to care for your body as a temple why would they not translate that to earth like what god has given us we must love and value and support and care for like, how does that not translate? It feels so obvious to me now. I just don't understand. Ugh. It's fine. I'm fine. We're all not fine. What am I saying? <laughs> I feel like we can conserve uh, kind of a special place for humanity in creation without treating everything else like garbage. Like some of the early church fathers talked about how everything that exists insofar as it exists and insofar it is, as it is good and beautiful and true, that everything participates in God to one degree or another. Uh, I think it's St. Maximus who said something like, every bush is alight with divine fire. Talking about like the burning bush that Moses experienced that the presence, the energy of God is infused into everything if we just had eyes to see it. And that doesn't mean that like everything's God. I'm not saying like nature worship and stuff. I'm saying that God, when they created, created everything to be in one way or another like themselves, not in like an egotistical way, but like, when you're a being that's the fount of all goodness, truth, and beauty, obviously you're going to give something of yourself to what you create. Mm. That's so true. I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about a quote, and I'm not going to quote it perfectly, but there was something that Darren said um, during um, his sermon uh, that kind of caught me, which was, you know, we all kind of grew up with this idea that, um, you know, the knowledge of uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, God had said, you know, do not eat of this tree. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we even, he said, you know, like I even thought that was a little bogus. Like, why wouldn't you want them to know about good and evil? Like, why mm-hmm. wouldn't you want to know? But the thing is, is that there is innocence of like this new creation of, of of beings like kind of Mm -hmm. like children whereas god is like the father and sometimes you know like even with our own children um like in society we're like they're not ready to know that yet they haven't hit that point like i'm sure god wanted them to know the difference between good and evil but maybe just not right then Mm -hmm. just not they weren't ready for that knowledge yet let them like have joy and run and be like that's the thing is like all of a sudden coming from a perspective on this might be a story that's meant to like, like kind of give us an idea of um, it's like meant to teach us a lesson as opposed to being this literal story. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the minute we can kind of shift that view, then we can realize that there are layers to storytelling. Like as a filmmaker myself, like 
you'll watch a show and you'll be like, man, that character had no depth. Right. And like for like years and years, like decades, we had like queer characters on TV that had no depth right. and we'd be pissed. We'd be like, can I please have someone that's not the stereotypical queer guy? Like, can I like have someone that has depth and story? And mm -hmm. we're starting to see that in media now. Yeah. And with every great story, there's depth. Yeah. Right. And this is literally the creation story. Like this is the beginning. This is to explain something about the beginning of earth. It's meant it's lasted this long, you know, throughout, you know, word of mouth and, <laughs> and then written on papyrus and like, it you know, continued on. So there couldn't have been just a simple black and white message. It needed to have depth. Right. Yeah. And so I kind of like, like it kind of blows my mind, <laughs> even just the small component about God did not want them to taste of the fruit of the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, mm -hmm. because they just might not have been ready for it yet. Right. And I can think of so many things <laughs> in my own life that I might not be ready for yet, that God just hasn't handed to me yet. I yeah. didn't figure out I was genderqueer till like three years ago. I don't know that I could have handled that at 21. Mm -hmm. I could handle it at 31 a little better. I mean, I barely handled it, right? I was like, <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> this is a lot. And just imagining like all these different things in our lives that keep like showing up. Mm -hmm. And I just am like 30 something and I'm going, man, there are going to be other things that in my 40s I'm going to learn about myself and I'm going to say, wow, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. It's just a thought I had. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think it's really helpful in the way that you drew attention to the fact that, like, however humanity, as we understand it, began, we weren't meant to just stay that way yep. forever. Like, it was a beginning. It was a beginning that was very good. Mm -hmm. But it was a beginning. Yes. It was always meant to be more. And so, like, when conservatives say that Adam and Eve, quote unquote, uh, should have just not eaten the fruit and just stayed in the garden forever. Like they're showing us what their version of the world is. Like you have something that you believe to be good and you just like freeze it. You don't want anything more than that. Mm -hmm. You reject change because it's different from the thing that you decided is perfect. Mm. But God didn't want that for humanity and we needed to grow and still need to grow as individuals, as communities, even as a species. And I think that the story in the first few chapters of Genesis really meant to illustrate that among other things. And how do we handle the cognitive dissonance of the fact that, so many evangelicals are really into the idea of election and yet <laughs> they believe that we as humans rebelled against God and did something that um, was not designed by God to be true. Like how do they, and that might be a simple question, but that was something I always thought of as a younger person and could not bring myself to ask it. Mm -hmm. Like this is so different. These two concepts about God created every single move that you make and like decided every move you make. And yet somehow we as humanity, quote unquote, Adam and Eve rebelled 
and ate of the fruit. Right. Yeah, I was a Calvinist for most of my life as a Christian. I still identify as a Christian. Don't identify at all as a Calvinist. Mm-hmm. Because like as Calvinists, we had to say horrible things to reconcile the two realities you're talking about. Like we had to say things like, oh yeah, God kind of like planned the fall and made them sin and then punished them for it because God's perfect and holy and they did a bad thing. Like what? What? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, this is, I'm, I want to apologize right now. Um, Cause this is a triggering conversation. Like mm-hmm. I'm sitting here feeling triggered with our conversation because it does like dredge up a lot of old shit and it makes me feel guilty. It makes me feel mm-hmm. a lot of shame around these ideas and maybe conversations I had with people around what I so staunchly believed. And, mm-hmm. and now I know how hurtful those ideas are. Right. Right. So it, it, it simultaneously feels gross because they do that. They quote unquote, but it also just feels gross because I know that was me mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah. Right. I was okay with having that simple thought process and that mm-hmm. is frustrating to me. Yeah. I mean, part of me wants to say like, yeah, we should accept full responsibility for like what we did in the past That's the Calvinist part of you. (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't have done better, but you did bad and you deserve to be punished for it. Okay, wait, wait, stop. You're you're starting to turn me on. (laughs) Wait a second. I think I got a little turned on. I'm I'm confused. Um, But we, in some ways, did as well as our context allowed us to do. Yeah. Like, we were both prisoner and warden in these weird theological prisons that have been constructed for us. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that gives our audience, um, hopefully a little relief, but I just, I think also it's important to what I'm trying to say is that we're here with you in the tension, Mm -hmm. right? Like it sucks to feel these things, but you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I just wanted to say that because sometimes I think we willy nilly talk about certain things and then we give some comedic relief and we all just go ah, together. <laughs> right. But also it's okay to acknowledge that that tension can exist longer um, because sometimes that tension is what drives us to continue the work that we're doing right now. Right. Of deconstructing and tearing down the bullshit. Mm hmm. Right. Ooh, let's queer Tower of Babel next. Ooh, that'd be an interesting discussion. I'm down. Yes. Anyway, ADHD. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I um, I was also thinking about something that Darren said, and I'm I don't mean to be like just throwing Darren, but Darren's like brilliant. Also, he's a mutual friend of ours, and I Um, feel like smart, funny, handsome, right? Package. Why? All the things. It's rude. Right? <laughs> um, but yeah, 
beautiful Darren McKenna just like laid it out with this um, with this Genesis um, sermon and it really spoke to me and I felt mm. like one of the things that was really cool also and it's funny because I had no part in choosing this topic let me just say that everyone I did not help Jack come up with the creation topic <laughs> and I wish I had because um, then this would it's just cool when God does these kinds of things basically mm-hmm. um, but yeah so when he was talking about it he also mentioned that there are two beginning stories. There are two yeah. creation stories. What the fuck? How have I never realized this? That it was in the beginning God created, and then it was in the beginning in chapter two. It's like, what? That blew my mind. I'm like sitting here going, I thought I was smart. <laughs> <laughs> and they're both different styles of, of cultures telling a narrative about the creation story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I have to sit with that. I had to sit with that for a second. I'm going to listen to that and want to know more about that and dig into that. Um, I was wondering what you thought about that because I would love to hear your thoughts. Cause I'm sure they're more thought out <laughs> than me just being like, Whoa. <laughs> it reminds me of, I was thinking recently about how each of the four gospels gives a different kind of account of the crucifixion and resurrection. Like it was just Easter not that long ago. Yeah. And it got me thinking about it. And, you know, conservatives like try to harmonize these, like figure out what historically might've gone on. And you take like, all the details from all of them, you try to work it all together. And I think in so many ways that that misses the point. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one, that's not how ancient historiography worked. Like they were not all about like getting all the details precisely correct because like you can't right. when there aren't like video and audio recording equipment <laughs> that exists. Right. And so like they didn't try and getting the sense of an experience or like hitting the main points of a speech instead of transcribing it perfectly word for word. Like that's how they did history. And so when I believe in a pretty robust doctrine of uh, divine inspiration of scripture. Mm. And so I believe that when God brought together some texts that included ancient histories, they were like other ancient histories. They weren't yes. special. They weren't 20th or 21st century histories. They were histories that rose out of the context of the time mm-hmm. and followed those rules. I feel like that's also like an evolution. <laughs> yes, it is. Absolutely. Analogy. Like I said an analogy. I know. I, you. I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> we can leave that in just to humble me. Uh, like scripture didn't fall from the sky, like a perfect right. text. Yep. It arose in a like messy process that took what was to hand, like yep. human writers writing in like human cultures with the sort of language and rules of those cultures. Yep. And I think that God guided 
both the process of evolution and the process of the like textual composition and like canonization of scripture in ways where they were saying like, okay, if you go this way, then that is better than this way. Sort of like trying to make it so that the text and sort of the history of life on earth both reflect as much beauty and divinity and goodness as possible. Yeah, I like to talk about how scripture is like a map in the way that it is not like a GPS. Mm-hmm. It is a map that says this is north, south, east, and west. These are the plains. These are the mountains. Also, this map was done 2,000 years ago, so some of those things might have changed. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, if you go this way, you'll land on a lake. And if you go this way, you'll cross a river. Right. And it's not like a GPS in saying, oh, fuck, you didn't take 95 on the exit ramp. You better turn around um, and uh, we'll reroute you. Give us a second. Right? Like, it's meant to be interpreted as Mm -hmm. you start to traverse, you know, those forests. Maybe they're not forests anymore, you know? Um, And I think that that is super helpful analogy for me. to step away from that literalistic thinking mm-hmm. um, that that comes with um, the kind of upbringing that that you and I had, yeah. um, and it, it 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 works in so many situations like mm-hmm. this one, you know. Yeah. Um, you recently on an episode talked about um, the evolving ethic of scripture. And I remember just being really kind of blown away by that thought. Can you remind us more about, because you're going to break it down better than I will. Can you remind us a little bit more about that? Because I feel like that's really applicable here. And I don't mind repeating ideas that we've said Uh before, because (laughs) that kind of idea is the kind of thing that I have to hear 20 times before it really, really sinks in. Like I have that experience with a lot of the retellings of um, and the reunder the reimaginings of um, stories and lessons that have been taught from scripture so consistently the same way. Now all of a sudden I have to rethink about them. Mm-hmm. So can you share with us um, about that a little bit again? Yeah. So the idea is that kind of in the terms that you introduced to us earlier, that like sometimes we're not, ready for something at a particular time the idea is is that in the sort of salvation history that's recorded in scripture that god has brought humanity along step by step in an ethic that more and more closely approximates like their pure goodness and that sometimes the earlier older stuff doesn't reflect the heart of God in the ways that, especially the stuff like post Jesus Mm. does. And like, even the early stuff represents uh, a departure from and an evolution out of the ethics of a lot of the surrounding cultures. Mm -hmm. Like, for a lot of human history, 
people believed that slavery was okay and that you could do whatever you wanted with a slave. This is literally what I was just thinking about. We are so on the same wavelength right now. And then the Torah in the Hebrew Bible includes like lots of ways where you should like, don't do that to your slave. Like that's not what you should do. Do this instead. And in the New Testament, we get sort of the notes from which we would build, we as Christians would build the abolitionist movement in mm-hmm. uh, United States and Great Britain. Yeah. Because there were like the seeds of, oh yeah, you shouldn't do slavery at all. Mm-hmm. Like, and so we have a sort of evolving ethic from slavery is fine and you can do whatever you want to your slave because they're not human to uh, you were once yourselves slaves. So think about that when you're treating your slave in a particular way to, uh, you know, if you're a slave and you can get your freedom, awesome. You should get it. Um, if you have a slave, uh, maybe it'd be better to free them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like a, a lot of this comes from uh, Webb's book, Slaves, Women, and Homosexuals, which is one of the most helpful books I've never read. <laughs> really? That's so funny. Yeah, sort of like piece some of this together from like Bible and theology classes. Mm-hmm. And- yeah, I think that that's super helpful for how we start to, and sure there are people who are listening who have not even started or just have started the process of deconstruction um, and um, how to start viewing scripture and reading scripture. Mm-hmm. And it's a valid thing to bring up again right now because we're starting at the beginning. We're talking about creation right now, right? Mm -hmm. And to think that we can literally open up the Bible and start reading in that first chapter of Genesis and have to change the way we view things right away. We can't just like, you know, pick and choose where we utilize this perspective. No, we have to do the work now in order to do a better job at interpreting and reading scripture. And I say better, and I do mean better, but I just mean like, Better for yourself, better for growth, um, better for um, the way that you get to view God and, and mm. the bigness of who God is, Yeah. right? Um, not just as in do better, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> right. that's not what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's really, um, viewing scripture this way has really given me and scripture a little bit of... Um, forgiveness Mm. and grace. Like for a while, I just didn't want to touch it. It had hurt me so badly. Mm. Right. Like I loved God and I felt loved by and cared for by God, but I wasn't quite sure about that book, you know? Mm -hmm. And so to be able to change the way that I am able to interpret and understand scripture it feels really good. It feels really good to be able to take that back and reclaim it. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I love being able to like retrieve and like resource things, especially from our own past that have been weaponized against us. Like, I beat this drum a lot. I'm going to keep beating it. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> like a lot of queer Christian writing 
tries to explain away difficult passages in the Bible or just sort of like circumvent it, like do a little reach around. But I like looking those passages in the face and saying, okay, if God wanted me to read this and God loves me, how do I reconcile those? Yeah. Like uh, early church father said that Jesus is the treasure hidden in the field of scripture. That if we dig enough in any passage of scripture, we'll find them there. Mm-hmm. And if we don't see the face of Christ in any of the scriptures, we can keep digging mm-hmm. because Christ is there waiting to meet us. And I found that again and again, even as I've dug into like early chapters of Genesis and the way that like created male and female has been weaponized against gay and trans people to the like so-called clobber passages that claim to say that queer lives are immoral. Like I've looked at those with conviction that God loves me and let this be part of the Bible for some reason for my flourishing, for our flourishing as queer people. Yeah. And I found under the surface of those texts, like rich and like real gay meanings. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. You know, we talked about, um, we briefly talked about the fact that, you know, creation and evolution don't need to live separate from each other. Like there's mm-hmm. somewhere in between that they exist. And something about, I remember early on, one of the biggest things I needed to resolve for myself was, um, the idea of the big bang. Mm-hmm. Right. And it wasn't a hard leap. It was like, I can believe in the big bang and still believe in a creator. Yeah. Right. Like in what way does evolution and the big bang break God as a creator? It doesn't. God right. could have used the big bang as a theory. Cause it is a pretty solid theory. But, like, it's still a theory, right? Just like our faith is. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Like, like you can tear that apart if you want. But, like, everything is, like, a leap of some sort of belief. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of science to back up the Big Bang. There's a lot of science to back up evolution. A lot more science to back up evolution. Um, but it's still, then, then, then the idea of, like, something created and then not evolving is what I'm saying. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's interesting to think about that as a Christian, like what makes you run away from the idea of the big bang? Yeah. I mean, as I understand it, when physicists and cosmologists started taking the idea of the big bang more seriously, a lot of the community rejected it because of, how theistic it seemed because like if the universe started in like a singularity like an infinitely dense point in space in some time 13 ish billion years ago somewhere on there then well who got it going and like it started all these uncomfortable mm-hmm. like theistic questions in the scientific community so it's so interesting to me like that evangelical Christians have distanced themselves right? so much from that. 
I just think about the way that you read scripture and just history and the way that we tell stories in culture and societies in order to explain um, the nature for which things began. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's beautiful poetry. Mm. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? Like all of that is just beautiful poetry. It's a beautiful story. And I imagine it as some sort of animation or some sort of painting (laughs) when I read it, you know? And nowhere in my mind do I think that I have any idea of how it actually began. Right? (laughs) Right? Like, I am, as a human, I am finite and I'm going to reach the end of my understanding of something so big. Mm-hmm. Whereas God is infinite. And that brings me a lot of comfort. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. And it's crazy to me that someone thinking that they know everything about how God created everything <laughs> is going to distance entire groups of people and humanity and right. create huge gaping canyons of space between, between individuals and their um, attempts to understand each other. It's just ridiculous to me. If this were after dark, I would riff on huge gaping canyon. (laughs) This is the main episode. I'll just leave that. I know. I was like, I said gaping and I knew we were going to go somewhere with it, but (laughs) I'll leave our listeners to fill in our huge gaping canyon. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's just so, as a person who grew up the daughter of a missionary and evangelist, I feel like one of the things I've been taught so well to do and something that's just so true to my core is trying to understand where other people come from and why they believe what they believe and mm-hmm. growing from their belief. Under- right. Not sitting there and going, oh, well, you're crazy. I don't know why you believe that. Mm-hmm. But going wow, that's really interesting. What a what a unique way to look at that. I'm going to have to sit with that for a little bit and see how that affects me mm-hmm. and grow from it. This discussion reminds me of something from C.S. Lewis, who I find very problematic now, <laughs> but I used to love so much, um, and I still derive benefit from his writings. He talked about Christianity as the true myth. I feel like that's helpful because like, if a myth is true, it's true in the way that a myth is true. Mm. It's not true in the way that a 20th or 21st century history book is true. Mm. And so specifically, like, the creation accounts, plural, like, I believe them to be true and true in the way that myths are true. Like yes, that's a so lot of good. imagery, like a lot of metaphor. Like I don't know the realities to which a lot of these images point, but I believe there's something behind those images that's really true. And a lot on the surface that's false. Like if you take a myth to be a history book, you're not only not going to get the truth that was intended to be conveyed, you're going to get a lot of falsehood along with it. Mm. Like if we focus on like 
trying to figure out what sort of magic fruit it was that they right. ate. Oh my gosh. Made them die. Like we're completely missing the point. Mm-hmm. But if we look at But it was the, obviously an apple, so don't fight me on it. Uh probably red delicious, right? Those things yeah, are gross. hundred percent. Like it does not match the name. The name is marketing tactic <laughs> from Satan themselves. <laughs> <laughs> um but if we view the first chapters of Genesis as a myth that was meant to convey important truths about God, about humanity, about right. how God intends us to relate to them. I feel like there's a lot in there for us still. Like that we were created very good and that we weren't meant to stay there, but that we were meant to grow increasingly into the image and likeness of God. Like the idea that there are sort of degrees to which we're in in the image of God has been weaponized against so many of us, Mm -hmm. women, trans people, gay people. Mm -hmm. And that by looking past the surface of statements, just like, Oh, humanity was created male and female. It doesn't say that that's all there is to humanity or like, well, what if it started there and we evolved and we're trans now? You're welcome. Mm. Like there's so many possibilities that weren't suggested to us before, because if you have like a static worldview, you also look for like one true once and for all interpretation of a part of the Bible and you just stick with that and like dig your heels in and defend it instead of trying to look for layers upon layers of meaning the way that truth presents itself in myths. Mm. That was so good. You're talking about us evolving. Like the, the part that kind of stood out to me about what you just said was that we've evolved to being trans. Uh, it's interesting. Um, I've been uh, more and more in the past uh, few months realized how much I'm surrounded by neurodivergent peeps. Mm-hmm. The neurodivergent peeps attract other ne- neurodivergent peeps. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I feel so lucky and blessed yeah. because of that. Because um, who wants to hang out with neurotypicals anyway? Sorry if you're neurotypical and listening. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, though. Let's be honest. I think we're the majority neurodivergent peeps. But um, I was just thinking about, because my wife has been kind of on a, a path of discovering her neurodivergence, and, and, mm-hmm. and one of my best friends is also figuring out um, being on the spectrum. And uh, something that's been really interesting about that has been me realizing so many of the AFAB peeps in my life who are realizing that they're on the spectrum or they're autistic and how much, how brilliant they are. Mm how talented they are, right? Mm. That they've been living in a neurotypically designed world for 30 plus years, masking that entire time, trying to just survive. And now they're starting to realize that maybe all of their weird quirks aren't weird quirks. They're actually on the spectrum, right? Mm. And that actually being on the spectrum isn't some horrible thing. It's actually this really cool thing. And a lot of times the people who have to realize that are the people who love them in their lives first before they can get to a point where they say, oh, right, I do love that about myself, mm-hmm. right? 
And I was recently talking to my best, one of my best friends about that and their journey on figuring out that they're autistic and realizing that being autistic could be this evolution. Like I told them this, I was like, it could be this evolution of sorts that the world just hasn't adapted to yet. This beautiful mm -hmm. sensitivity, right? And um, this beautiful um, intelligence and brilliance and attention to detail. And there are just so much, there's so much beauty and skill to being autistic. And mm -hmm. I'm thankful for that. Like yeah. I'm thankful for those people in my life. Um, for those ADHD peeps, like I'm, um, I haven't been diagnosed, um, yet, but most of my family is diagnosed <laughs> ADHD. Um, and I was just told by a doctor, my mom was just told by a doctor that she's got a lot of energy, just make sure she's in a lot of sports. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I've realized in my functionality is that I've found ways as an entrepreneur to kind of adapt and, mm -hmm. and manage. Um, but I have so many friends who, um, and people in our community, um, that are ADHD and God, I fucking love them. I love their energy. I love the way they think outside of the box. I love, um, even the hard things that are hard to love about ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, the squirrel moments, <laughs> um, and the, like the bouncing around from task to task or like hyper-focusing on something like mm -hmm. there's so many beautiful ways that ADHD has helped our society grow. Yeah. Uh, one of the people I think of when it comes to autistic peeps who have really been a, helped our society grow is Temple Grandin. Temple Grandin mm -hmm. created um, the whole um, like more humane aspects of how to um, making the meat industry when it comes to especially the beef industry more humane hmm. um uh there's a movie about her go watch it but <laughs> it, it's it's just one person like think right. about how many people um in your life that have helped you to think outside of the box um and um who are just like, like i think it's interesting to think about how um people are often said like oh you're not you don't have social cues down um, and also like you lack empathy. No, actually, I think they're way more sensitive and way more empathetic. Like they have a hard time, mm -hmm. like just knowing when it's appropriate to call out that someone has having a problem with something. <laughs> <laughs> like my wife will look at me and say, you seem really frustrated. Are you really frustrated? I'm like, am I really frustrated? I might be frustrated. Like, I don't, <laughs> like <laughs> she catches on to it faster than I do, but that's because of her like incredible sensitivity. You know, and I, I think about that in this creation idea of, of, of evolution, right? That God, um, you know, probably started one place and we've grown and evolved mm -hmm. as just a human race. We're not even talking about all the other things that have evolved mm -hmm. that have clearly scientifically evolved, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> it's so cool to think in a much bigger perspective that God designed us to evolve, right? Mm -hmm. And to be able to adapt to whatever cultural things that are thrown, of, uh, thrown at us, whatever societal things, whatever physical, you know, weathering <laughs> things that are thrown at us. Mm -hmm. 
We've survived how many different types of ages of change weather wise. Like it's like the idea of evolution being a part of the creation story is fucking awesome. <laughs> and makes me think, wow, I was created by that big God. Mm-hmm. Right. If we want to come down a step and think about ourselves made in the image of God creation, I often say is beautiful and layered and has evolved in all these amazing ways. And you think about like, we are a part of that creation, not just a part of that creation. We are made in the image of God and that we should sit back and really revel in Mm -hmm. like we as queer people, as people of color, as um, trans people, as you know, like the list goes on Mm -hmm. that God created us perfectly designed to evolve and compliment and take care of the creation that God gave to us. Right. Um, There's just so much that can be covered under this topic. It feels like a part one of like 10. Um, (laughs) But I just wanted to, I wanted to bring it back just down to that for a moment of like, it can be really hard to talk about these things and not feel like a speck. In a huge grand scheme of things. Yeah. But to realize that even in some ways, though we are a speck in a grand scheme of things, Mm -hmm. we're also this incredibly valued and intricately designed beautiful human that God has created. I think that's another beautiful dimension of the mythic truth of the Genesis story. Like we talked about Calvinists earlier and one of the many problems I have with Calvinism is their extremely low view of humanity. But like, what do we get in Genesis? We get a creature that's made from the dust. Like in my Episcopal tradition, they often <laughs> remind us of that, especially during the season of Lent that we just came out of. Like dust you are and to dust you shall return. Like don't think too much of yourself because like you came from dust. But also, what happened to that dust? God breathed God's spirit into it. Mm. So dust infused with divine spirit. Like, I feel like that's a beautiful depiction of the sort of tension that just being human entails. Amen to that. You alluded briefly to like the uh, environmental point. <laughs> and I think this is important. Like, I don't want to talk. Well, I do want to talk about it a whole lot, but maybe <laughs> another episode. Right. Another episode. But like, if we're made in the image and likeness of God and first chapters of Genesis point us there. And what's the character of this God that it points us to? Uh, creator God, number one. And if we're to reflect their image and likeness in the world, that means we're intended to be co-creators and what would the feminine of that be? Creatrixes? 
that. I'm also thinking about if God's first creation, quote unquote, was Adam and Eve um, as humans, right? Like if even if we were to think about that a little literally, they were gardeners. Mm-hmm. Right? They were meant to care for the the animals and the birds of the air and the, you know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. care for all of the plants and the garden. And, and how can we not hear that story and think we must care for the earth that God created? Right. I mean, I don't have a green thumb worth shit. <laughs> okay. Let's start there. Like I legit can't keep anything alive. Like I don't understand like anything that's green at all. And I love to eat all the green things, but I cannot keep anything alive. My wife has a green thumb. My girlfriend has a green thumb. Thank fucking God. But, (laughs) (laughs) but we should like, like I can do my part that doesn't involve me trying to overwater that plant Mm -hmm. by recycling or like I'm a vegetarian. I've been a vegetarian for two years and um, well, actually two and a half years now. And it started because I saw the way that meat was processed and I was like, oh, damn. Mm. And I also thought, and it was also a selfish reason. I'm diabetic and I needed help. And I thought I wasn't going to last two weeks, people. And I like, (laughs) I did it. And um, I never intended to be a vegetarian. Um, But, and I'm not saying that everyone should be. Like, sometimes it's just like eating a little less meat, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, sometimes it's riding a bike to work. Um, Like, there are so many ways that we can love and care for the earth that God has given us mm-hmm. with just a little extra effort. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of the, the parable of the talents. Mm. Um, Jesus tells the story where this boss bitch gives like three of their employees money to go do business on their behalf. And then comes back. First one was given like 10 talents, which is the amount of money, and made 10 more. Like, good job. Next one was given five, made five more. The third one was given one and just like buried it to keep it safe and said, here you go. And he's like, you dumb bitch. Like, you could have put this in the bank and I at least would have gotten interest. Mm. And like Christians who say that it's okay to trash the earth they're like people who like took that one talent and just like destroyed it somehow. Yeah. Like, Oh, I'm going to go, you know, I'm just going to go sit on this. Maybe it'll turn into something. Right. Like the earth was entrusted to us. Yeah. And shouldn't that mean that we should take care of it? Well, yeah. I mean, they don't, they treat, (laughs) Ooh, Jess, are you going to go here? Okay, we're going to go here and we're going to see what happens, y'all. <laughs> Are you ready, Jack? Because this will be a subject at some point and we will have an, a very split. Um, we will have a very split listenership when it comes to it, but I'll say it. It's kind of like with abortion. Like mm. the idea of of, you know, just like even slightly snuffing out um, something that um, God created and like within the first, you know, the first creation, what's a conception? Is that the term? Um, mm-hmm. Like the conception of, of 
of um cells right it's like okay this is this this needs to be salvaged and and i won't even talk about like what all my views are on on all of that just yet Mm -hmm. um i'm sure you'll allude you'll get some of that (laughs) from what i'm about to say but um i do feel like it's kind of bogus that conservatives would fight so hard for pro-life and not give a shit about the earth that they're fighting for those children to live in mm-hmm. like and that's even just a really broad generalization of how much cognitive dissonance exists with those two thoughts right. like please people like like i feel like we are in interesting political times we have been in interesting political times mm-hmm. and we all kind of have to pick and choose what it is that we fight hard on because we can't fight hard on all the things mm-hmm. But just don't sit back. Don't be passive. You know? Like, I know, Jack, um, you were sharing with me earlier, and I don't know if if now's an okay time, because I feel like we've talked about creation Mm -hmm. fairly well, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's there's so much more to talk about, and people, please send us your send us your stories about the things that you got taught. Like what books were you taught if you went to a small private Christian school? Let's see, let's compare notes. Um (laughs) but in terms of talking about where we're at politically right now, like I know you're much better at like kind of having your like ear to the ground on things. And you were talking about some things um, that have to do with um, trans youth bills that are happening right now. Can you tell yeah, us a little bit more about that? Yeah. Thanks for the intro. Like I, this is something I find deeply disturbing in a lot of state legislatures in the United States. Bills are being considered or have already passed that attack trans youth from a lot of different angles. And so sort of a lot of them are happening at once. Like this is a new, these sorts of bills have cropped up a lot of the last few decades, but now there are a lot that target trans youths ability to be involved in school to the extent that they want. Like Uh. some are saying that trans youth should be excluded from participation in sports. Um, One of the bills says that students who participate in school sports have to prove their sex before they can participate and like one way to do that is a birth certificate that's not the only way um and i'm really worried about how legislation like this which is already so terrible could be used to further abuse kids like the legislation is abuse against trans kids i think it'll be used i think it'll be used to abuse like cis girls as well and cis boys oh 100 percent. um i was listening to what i believe was a radio lab podcast um mm-hmm. i could be corrected later it might might have been another one of my favorites um 99 invisible but they talked about um especially when it comes to athletics uh um uh, with uh trans youth um that there are some cis girls who um test high with 
their hormone level of mm-hmm. um, what they believe, you know, with these shitty bullshit tests and these numbers that they pulled out of their ass um, that are now uh, that were unable to move on to like even Olympic junior type um, things because they weren't Ugh. hitting this number. And it's like, <laughs> it's freaking ridiculous. So it's not that it, you're, you're right. It's not that it just is going to, and I say just really like meant in like the best way possible. It's not like, it's not that it's just going to affect our queer youth. It could affect all. Yeah. It's not one atrocity. It's two atrocities. Yes. (laughs) Multiple atrocities. I mean, this is sort of a side issue, but like even the science behind it is such garbage. Yes. Like, yes, there's, there's no clear, evidence that testosterone gives any sort of definitive advantage in sports yep i feel like my existence should illustrate that (laughs) (laughs) i can grow a beard i can't throw a ball (laughs) right and and yet there's there's me right like i um there's someone like me who grew up playing sports you know and um and often my mom, like it even affected me beyond um, the sports idea when my mom would say, oh, your testosterone levels, I'm sure, are high and that's why you're gay. My mom, mm. a nurse, Oof. <laughs> said this to me. If we just get your hormone levels figured out and balanced, you, you won't have to deal with that. That's terrible. Matt, this, is, this is how that kind of science can be grossly misused. Mm-hmm. Even its original intention is gross misuse. Yeah. And like some of the bills too, besides the school stuff, criminalize giving healthcare to trans youth. Oh God. Like puberty blockers, stuff like that. Trans kids are now going to be denied these things. They're not, going to be able to live out their gender authentically. Mm. And what we know about when people are not allowed to live out their genders or sexualities authentically is that that often leads to suicide. Like it almost did that for me multiple times. And I really fear for the trans youth in our country that are growing up in places where this sort of legislation is considered. And like a lot of people talk about like, oh, the shitty state legislatures and like legislators. And yeah, these are petty tyrants and are awful people, but like they're introducing this legislation and defending it because they think that that's what the citizens want. And they probably know that that is, in fact, what the citizens want. A lot of people in America just don't seem to care about trans lives. And that it's it's heartbreaking. It makes me fucking furious. Darren and I um, at New Abbey NoHo, we run a, um, a queer youth group every other mm. week. And we've realized that really it's a trans queer youth group. <laughs> all of our kids are trans every single one of them i love that evolution in action yeah (laughs) and 
it has been so you're trying not to cry it has been inspiring and life-giving to watch these 14 15 year olds comfort and love each other and also inspire me because they're badass and they know their shit and mm-hmm. I'm learning all the time. It's educational as fuck. I'm sitting there going like, all I'm meant to be here is to show you that like you can become old and still live a fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's what I feel like my pure purpose is. And to hear them, um, to be a shoulder that they can cry on every now and then. But to be honest, I feel like I want to cry on their shoulders. Cause like mm-hmm. the, the strength that these kids have, the knowledge that they have, um, it it just blows my mind sometimes. And, you know, it's interesting. We've had a bit of kickback from um, individuals who are still having a hard time reconciling the fact that we pretty much talk about sex openly and positively. Like all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the arguments in talking and having issues with us talking about sex openly and positively has been that we're going to burn the bridges that have been built to try and help these, these queer youth out of these conservative situations. And I understand part of that. Like, I feel like part of that makes some sense that they need to come into these spaces and like help build bridges to get them out. Right. But Instead, what I think is happening a lot of times is that instead of building bridges, they're creating structures that exist within these horrible structures in order to create shelter for them. Right. And what I'd rather they do prisons. Yeah. But they consider them shelters. Right. What I'd rather they do is actually bridge them out and then bring them to safe spaces that we've created and designed. Like what we're talking about right now, because we do care about queer youth and trans youth. Mm -hmm. We want to fight for these kids and we want to help them to see that they have something they have somewhere to land that is more than just being accepted or um or uh being uh what's it's not accepted it would be tolerated thank you yes Mm -hmm. being tolerated like we are beyond that we are celebrating them right and we are showing them that it is possible to feel amazing about yourself and to grow beyond where they are right now. Um, and I kind of want to say, and this is rare for it to be me who says this. Normally I could hear <laughs> Jack just saying this, no problem. But I kind of want to say fuck you to those people who think that we don't give a shit. Mm-hmm about these kids because I think we give more of a shit in creating these spaces um, where kids can feel seen. Cause to be honest, let's be honest. Like you think that 14 year olds don't know more about sex than I do. (laughs) 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 Like, like I think I know a decent amount, but like (laughs) I feel like 14 and 15 year olds know, and they have Google, they can look whatever they want to look up. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like we're not exposing them. things that are going to be harmful to them we're exposing them to the idea that god created them without these elements of shame 
for just touching themselves or having pleasure, right? Like, mm-hmm. or affirming how they feel about their own gender, right? right. <sighs> Soapbox. Because I'm so passionate about this, and I know mm-hmm. you are too. Yeah, I know that we have trans listeners. Jess and I both identify as under the trans umbrellas, non-binary. For ourselves, for our trans listeners out there, we've been talking about creation this episode, and I firmly believe that God created each of us trans persons to be trans, to show more of their divine goodness and beauty than could be contained in the gender that we were assigned at birth. Amen. But it overflows for some of us into multiple genders, for others of us into a gender that wasn't assigned us at birth. The God who is constantly blurring boundaries between one thing and another made us trans people made us boundary crossers in their own image and likeness. And God loves you for who you are. Like I'm going to cry. I'm sorry for those of you who don't live in places where you hear that. Like I didn't hear that. Growing up, and I didn't hear it as an adult after I came out. Mm. But, like, together with Jess, like, we built communities together mm-hmm. where we tell it to each other. And gay bees, queer bees, trans bees mm, get to that. hear that when they join our communities. Yes. And I want that to be part of the evolution of humanity, part of the evolution of Christianity, that transness is seen as the reflection of the divine that it really is, and that will raise up the trans people in our midst and say, look, look at the beautiful thing that God has done in our time. Amen. I mean, even in the simplicity of humanity... We were not born as we shall forever be. Mm -hmm. We grow. We start off as, you know, six, eight, 10, 14 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just recently saw a friend share (laughs) 14 pound baby. Crazy. Um, Also, my wife is a NICU nurse. And so (laughs) I hear about these crazy (laughs) stories. Sometimes they're even born just under a pound. Mm Mm-hmm. We're not meant to stay there. Right. Right. We all grow and change. And it's mind boggling to think that that's not the way that even transness is viewed, mm-hmm. you know? Um, because even as a kid, I, I might've thought like, well, God made a mistake because my brother was way more into baking and I was way more into helping my dad with cars, <laughs> silly things that 
mm-hmm. are supposed to stereotypically represent a gender. Right. Um, but I genuinely thought maybe God made a mistake, right? And the fact mm-hmm. is, is that God made zero mistakes. Mm-hmm. God made no mistake in creating us trans, right? Yeah. Non-binary, gender queer. The phrase God doesn't make mistakes is often weaponized against us trans right. people by Christians because they mean it as like, oh, trans people are a mistake and God doesn't make mistakes. So God didn't make trans people. But like we see that God doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. Trans people aren't a mistake. Right. And God made us to be the way that we are. Exactly. And again, this idea of evolution or this idea of um, the creation story on its own being something that took a certain amount of days or thousands of years or however long, mm-hmm. right? That it could not start with just everything. Right. It, it in and of itself as a creation story had to evolve. Mm-hmm. How do we not read that first chapter and understand that? I challenge you if you do if you haven't even thought about this to sit with that and think about how much scripture is actually meant to point us in a direction of growth mm-hmm. and evolution and transition. The gospel story alone is that. And that is a topic for another day. <laughs> such a tease (laughs) (laughs) aren't i um honestly we both are what are we saying um (laughs) but yeah i think that's a a great place to end um thanks for sticking it out with us today i know that there were a lot of there's a lot of triggering language um a lot of maybe a bit more work than some other episodes that we've done Mm -hmm. before. And we love you guys so much for sticking it with us. And honestly, I'm guessing that this has stirred something up for you as a listener. And we would love to hear about it. We would love to hear your stories about how you viewed creation um, and or grown from that or your trans stories or Mm -hmm. your, your um, evolving ideas around anything in your life, theological or um, sexuality related, right? Um, send a message. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram um, at Lav Mafia, L A V M A F I A. And we're also at Gmail, the Lavender Mafia at gmail.com. You can absolutely email us there. And um, absolutely, we will respect your anonymity if that is something that you um, are still. Um, if that is something that you desire. Yeah, but if you're okay with us sharing part or all of your story, I'm sure that our listeners want to hear that as well. Like Jess and I are very different from each other. We're also very different from like most other queer Christians that we know. Mm -hmm. And so there's a certain kind of diversity here, but we can't represent all experiences. I love hearing about people who come from different backgrounds or people who experience their gender or sexuality differently from the ways that we do. So shoot us a story. Also, if you have a question that's come up from this or another episode, hope you'll shoot that to us as well. If you have a question, probably some other listener has a question too, and we'll answer as many on air 
as we can in future episodes. And if what we do here at the Lavender Mafia has meant something to you, I hope you'll consider going to patreon.com slash lavmafia and helping us to keep making queer Christian content that's sex positive and biblically and theologically informed and hopefully occasionally funny question mark. <laughs> and I would even say it's, it doesn't always have to be queer and Christian, right? We've got a lot of people who are listening that are just progressive or they've walked away or they're deconstructing for some reason and they still love to listen to us because they, I think what's cool is they like to hear our perspective and our view. And I want to acknowledge that because I would say like, a good third of the people we've heard from have been um, not in the queer community who mm. have really enjoyed listening to us. And we've enjoyed hearing your stories and hearing how you've grown and evolved from just hearing certain things um, from our little podcast. We never would have imagined that it would do that. Yeah. I love that. So whatever your gender or sexuality or religion or irreligion, hop over to Patreon Straight dollars spend the same as gay dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Love it. All right, beautiful babes. Be fierce. Keep the faith. And don't fuck it up. Our amazing music is written and produced by Evan Coles of Springwood Productions. Speaking of Springwood, I just want to thank them for recording, mixing, and producing our audio. Without them, this podcast wouldn't be happening. Springwood is made up of passionate creatives who are really easy to work with and professional and they really know their stuff. So if you need anything like video or audio production, or they can really do anything to help your music or business. Like they got me Taco Bell one time, for God's sake. So go check them out at springwoodproductions.com.